key part of our community is, you know, whatever comes our way that knocks us off the path, we're still going to be there when you're ready to come back. Friends, and welcome to the 68th episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram and Facebook. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter with print news from around the world, all at pinecopperline.com. Except for last month when I was moving from Australia to Thailand and starting a new job and there was this like crazy election thing going on and some other stuff. And I didn't send out the monthly newsletter last month, uh, but I will this month. So lots of exciting stuff coming your way there. We also have a Patreon page, where supporters can toss a buck or two in our tip hat every month, and it helps keep PCL at your inky fingertips. You can also get neato thank yous for being a Patreon supporter, things from stickers to totes. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, you can check out a link in the show notes to learn more. And it's totally okay if you don't want to do that. Times are weird, people are furloughed, COVID cases are rising. I get it. Enjoy the show. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. PCL is also brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been bringing you a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. Their pro-relief ink is renowned and admired by print pros across the world, and their flagship color, Super Graphic Black, is going to be coming out in a 5-ounce size just in the next few months here. So keep an eye out for that. It is the perfect size to give it a go and to fall in love. To find out more, and to learn where you can pick up a can of your new favorite pro-black ink, visit speedballart.com. Or you can check out a link in the show notes to that as well. My guests this week are Amy Jane Vanderberg, Claudia Hartwig, and Alison Klein, also known as The Printing Girls, a female print collective based in South Africa. Print friends, this was such a fun episode to record. Getting to chat with a print studio somewhere in Africa had been on my list pretty much since day one of PCL. And Amy Jane, Claudia, and Allison were so generous to sit down with me and tell me all about the incredible history of political activism and screen printing in South Africa, the benefits of creating in female-centered spaces, their current exhibition of work which was created during South Africa's extensive and long-running COVID lockdown, and of course the ins and outs of their collective. Also, keep an ear out for Rufus, the shop dog, he'll come up in the background. I got to meet him after the recording was shut off, and oh my god, what a good boy. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to take a little trip to Johannesburg 
with the Printing Girls. Hi, Printing Girls. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> Hi there. Well, I am really excited to have you join me on the Pine Copper Line podcast because as we were chatting about before, you all are my very first guests coming to me from anywhere in Africa. And right before we connected, I actually was thinking, you know, I really wonder what's happening in printmaking in South Africa. And then I got this lovely email from Amy Jane, and it was like, hi, we're a printmaking collective in South Africa. <laughs> so, so very serendipitous. it was very serendipitous, and I'm really excited to share your story with everyone. But before we dive into it, we're doing the ambitious three guest hosting here today. So would each of you maybe just say your name and just maybe a brief introduction about like how long you've been printing and if you have a role in the printing girls um, specifically that you want to talk about. Awesome. Okay, I'll go first. So I'm Amy Jane Vandenberg and I've been printmaking since university. So I think my first experience with printmaking was 2006 and I co-founded the Printing Girls in 2016 and I kind of headed up along with an incredible admin team. So that's my role and then Cloud. <laughs> Hi, I'm Claudia. Um, I've been printmaking for 17 years, so also since university. And apart from the Printing Girls, I also run my own collaborative print studio. Hmm. Called Chocolate Studio. Very... <laughs> Very cool studio. <laughs> We're actually sitting in Chocolate Studio right now. It's our kind of like the Printing Girls headquarters um, when we do our workshops and stuff. We're always here, so it's the heartbeat of our. Yeah, I'd like to group. think of Chocolate Ink Studio as the official studio for the Printing Girls. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It's definitely our home from home. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Claudia hosts the uh, workshops that we do with the collective. Mm-hmm. So um, all the girls gather here and we learn and or relearn (laughs) Uh, you know as you know printmaking so collaborative and but who are you oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big pine copper lime fan (laughs) my name is alice klein yeah i live in johannesburg in a very busy layered city um Mm. it's very much a part of our um being in the center here, yeah. um, Amy Jane's actually based in Pretoria now, which is another city about an, hour an hour's drive from Johannesburg. So we tend to gather um, at Chocolate Inc., which is sort of a home, lot. Home away from home. Yes, home <laughs> away from home. And it's based sort of between the two cities to some degree, mm. a little bit closer if you're in Johannesburg. Um, I'm part of the admin team with with Amy Jane and Claudia and um, a couple of other printmakers. And I only joined the beginning of last year. Mm. So it's quite a privilege to be part of the coordination and the curating and the idea squad. Um, So I've really enjoyed uh, becoming a part of that and rediscovering printmaking. So Mm. for me, I have a bit of a different story to everybody else. I studied printmaking and then I was a lecturer for five years teaching. I headed up the printmaking department of a, at a college and then really had a problem with the fumes 
So one of the things that has been a really great journey back to printmaking for me is the fact that the printing girls are very um, experimental with green printing and non-toxic techniques. So we do try and share that with one another. So that's been wonderful because my health didn't allow me to print for many, many years. Mm. So I'm more of a kind of mixed media collage artist, but I'm, I've fallen in love with printmaking <laughs> again. <laughs> I like that. It's like, like printmaking took some time away, really focused on itself, you know, came back, you know, with this like this new way of working that you were like, okay, we might be able to restart this romance. You're, you're, you're looking healthier now. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, the green techniques. You, you stayed sober long yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the printing girl stories are similar to yours, Alison, where they they did take time away from printmaking for so many different reasons, but often some kind of roots of hurt and and frustration with their own art, and then now finding their way back into it through the printing girls. I think that's been really nice. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and without the printing girls, I don't think I would have done that because mm. it's just been such an encouragement and being a part of a collective gives you the the structure to rediscover these things mm. which is on, on your own to, mm. to access a studio and a press and all that kind of thing is not that easy for someone who's just starting off their, their art career in their later life mm. uh, you know after having worked commercially for many many years and then being a mom and mm. <laughs> as Amy Jane said we have quite a few older ladies who have come back to in fact South Africa has quite Indeed. a strong contemporary art membership of, of females yeah, that only of- really got to embrace their career later in life mm. so that's been that's been interesting yeah. yeah yeah maybe that would be a good time to just sort of speak to that a little bit just because we're setting the groundwork for the the who you are, where you are, what you do. And I can only imagine that, yeah, being based in Johannesburg in South Africa must have kind of a huge influence on, you know, who joins your collective and how and the art that you make and the history that's there. So could you speak to just, you know, printmaking sort of generally or maybe even just if you wanted to be so bold as to speak to arts generally in South Africa and what you know what people get wrong about it and what people need to know about it uh, just to kind of set the stage for the context in which you all are working well I think um first off I don't know how many people outside of South Africa know just quite how exciting the South African art scene really is I would say it's a really important part of South Africa and being a South African, I think we are a very creative nation. Um, so there is a lot of art in general. Um, in terms of printmaking, I think I'll ask Cloud to answer more of that. But we we have some huge heavyweights and some amazing printmakers that come from South Africa, some amazing printmaking studios based in South Africa that some of them, like, for instance, Artist Press, they studied or Mark Atwood studied at Tamarind, am I right? Yeah, um, some- yeah, so he's, he's our ultimate master printer. We have a lot of incredibly <laughs> master princes in South Africa, and actually, Claudia is an incredible master printer, and she'll argue with me, and she <laughs> is so modest about it. But <laughs> she's sitting here giving me the eye. But um, she, for our group, Claudia is 
an incredible asset in terms of being a master printer. And she knows a lot about the, the printing community because of her experience of being a collaborative printer for 17 years. So I'm going to hand over to her and she will give me the evil eye. <laughs> Tell us working in South Africa, Cloud. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, printmaking in South Africa, it's difficult to describe because it's, it's just very energetic and vibrant and I think printmaking is a really, really big part of the South mm -hmm. African art community in general. Printmaking is an exciting medium. It's experimental. It's, mm -hmm. You almost feel like you're a mad scientist. Mm -hmm. you know? And all the artists that I work with, they always want to push. They want to experiment. So they want to remain true to the technique, but at the same time, they want to push it a little bit further, which I find very interesting. And also, I'll... Our printmaking is a very democratic medium here in South Africa. So our history is has a lot of printmaking in it, um, used for protest posters and just creating awareness of what happened in this country. So um, we have a very, very rich history, especially in screen printing in mm -hmm. South Africa. And then, I don't know, about the artists. Um, I find South African artists absolutely love the traditional techniques like etching, um, lino cut, wood cut. And within the last, I'd say about eight years, there's been a resurgence in interest in screen printing. Mm. So when I first started working, so after university, I started working at a community-based print studio called Artist Proof Studio. And I was hired to set up a screen print studio there. And we were the only screen print studio that was open and working in the country at the time. And one of the missions that I was given was to try and find artists to collaborate with in print, uh, sorry, in screen printing itself. And that was very difficult because not many people were interested in it. But then, like I said, within the last eight years, all of a sudden screen printing has just blown up. Everybody's screen printing. We have screen printing studios popping up all over South Africa galleries wanting to hire master printers to print editions of artworks. Mm -hmm. So I think, I don't know, printmaking is just, it's so blooming exciting <laughs> and everybody wants to do it from yeah. children to housewives yeah. to professional artists. It's really an exciting thing. Yeah. Historically, there's some beautiful things that you can research that are very South African and very crude and have a lot to do with political struggle that mm. Claudia was referring to. So in Natal, there was a there's a place called Rock's Drift, which is a there was a huge battle between the Anglo um, uh, armies and the Zulus. And interestingly enough, that was the centre where they set up a kind of a craft centre mm. for the poor communities in the area. And some of the greatest artists yeah. in the country emerged out of this little community center and because, yes, they were mm. taught lino cut yeah. and woodcut, am I right? And it's one of the strongest exhibitions you can experience yeah. is this collective of mostly male, but there were a few females, um, and it was mostly black and white work because it was obviously limited to what they had in terms of resources, mm. but the work is phenomenal and it's got a lot to do with our political history. So it was during the 1970s and 80s, yeah. right? So it was the first place where these people could express their feelings and their emotions about being 
stuck under an apartheid regime. So I think we all have such an emotional connection to printmaking because of that sort of history. Live, eat, breathe, dream printmaking in this place. (laughs) Come visit us, Miranda. Oh, I am already sold, yeah. (laughs) Um, That sounds incredible. And just out of curiosity, what do you think accounts for that resurgence that you were saying you saw maybe kind of eight years ago in that in that interest of particularly around screen print I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Claudia actually spearheaded this resurgence she is so pivotal in bringing artists together in creating passion in artists for printmaking because it is such a difficult labor-intensive process and so people I think are quite afraid of printmaking and screen printing so messy Claudia when we First started doing screen printing, you told me oh, it actually is just glorified cleaning girl kind of work. Like you're cleaning 90% of the time. But Claudia teaches you that there's so much more to just this hard work and there's this incredible passion. And you've worked with artists from all over our country. And I think because of that, it's almost like each time you've worked with an artist, you've planted a seed in a different part of a different community and that's how it's spread. And it, that passion is infectious and contagious and at least I had never done printmaking. I mean, screen printing until I met Claudia. And now screen printing is my core of what I do. Mm. So mm. would you say anything else? Um, <laughs> well, I'm quite blown away. Thank you. <laughs> I think also it's the, the social media platforms. Mm. Um, so instead of always just seeing the black and white lino cut and etching, mm. all of a sudden this bright, bold color that screen print affords I think it attracts a lot of attention and Mm. being in a society where things are depressing and sad and just horrible, to have a bright, happy, colorful artwork appearing Mm. in exhibitions and in collections and so forth. Hanging in your home. Exactly. I think that also created a lot of interest in screen printing. But South Africans are also very much up to a challenge Mm. and screen printing is very, very challenging. So. From the students I've taught, I can see their eyes sparkle when they see all the different things that are involved in screen printing. And I think that gets people very interested as well. You know, just in terms of screen printing and specifically becoming very popular with contemporary artists in South Africa, um, we had the granddaddy of South African (laughs) art, um, a man called Walter Battis. And if you Google Walter Battis, you'll see the most fantastic, colorful, mm. insane screen prints. Mm. And he also worked with a guy called Norman Catherine, who Norman Claudia Catherine. actually collaborates with. And they, so created, they created this insane imaginary world called Fook Island. Mm. And it was populated by oh, these yeah. colorful, crazy creatures. <laughs> <laughs> He also came up with something that was amazing. It was a visual visual alphabet. And if you look at his visual alphabets as silk screens, they, I don't think anyone else in the world was doing that kind of work. Wow. And for me, that was when I was a student and I saw those. They just blew my, my mind and I, was, I knew I had to find out how they did these. And <laughs> so screen printing was very much a part of the the teaching practice that I was involved with as well and and definitely influenced by 
by Walter Batters and Norman Catherine. So just a yeah. just an added note. No, absolutely. <laughs> That's that is really good to know, for sure. And um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm as excited to learn about the printing girls, mm-hmm. but also just super keen to learn about printmaking in South Africa. And I had no idea it was so amazing and now it's gonna be my new obsession I can tell (laughs) yeah so that's wonderful to get that that context for printmaking in South Africa and screen printing but to pivot a little bit and talk directly about what you all do you have this collective called the printing girls and can you tell us the story of how that came to be and when was the seed planted and how you went about forming it. So I was extremely lucky to work with five incredible women in university. And when we all finished graduating, we we had an absolute ball together for the four years that we worked. And then we all went our separate ways. And I think a lot of us, I know one of the girls decided to go, she opened a clothing shop, I think. And then one of the other girls went to do a master's in illustration, but Quite a few of us ended up teaching and then curating very random things. And the whole time we really wanted to get back into printmaking, but our experience at university was quite negative and Mm -hmm. we had always been treated like these silly little giggly girls in the corner and every crit, I swear it was like a competition with the lecturers to try and see who they could make cry first and the worst and so at the end of every crit we would go and have a tea party outside and we'd all cry together and moan about the lecturers and just be really like I don't know just the six of us were really tight and really um a good community and probably because of how we were treated by these lecturers that's probably what pulled us together so we all went our separate ways and eventually in 2016 I contacted them again and I just wanted to find out where they were and if anyone was doing art. At that stage, I was full-time teaching and loving the teaching of the kids aspect, hating the admin and the politics of teaching. So I was looking for a way out, but had no idea how to actually get into the art world. It seemed like this mystical, difficult, impossible thing to do. And I didn't have really any artist friends or mentors to lead me. So the only girls I knew were the ones I went to university with. So contacted them and we decided amongst the six of us, we would just put a little show up in the town that we studied in, which is called Grahamstown. Every year it has a national arts festival. It's probably the biggest arts festival in the country. Mm. Um, so we decided in 2016, we'll put our big girl panties on and we'll throw an exhibition. And it was so scary. Um we all drove from the different parts of the country that we live in, got to Grahamstown, hung our show, and we have just no idea what to expect. Um, and what we found was it was really difficult for me to talk about my art or sell my art because I had no confidence and I had no just guts at that stage to do it. So I was able to sell Lucy and Carmen stuff super easy, and they could sell my stuff. And right. we realized there's this strength and numbers community and we should just stick together and just forge our way through this difficult arts market and then we we just decided let's apply to a few more festivals and fairs and galleries and see where we go and about a year later I had become friends with Claudia on Instagram and I invited her to join the printing girls and 
I think you were one of the first non Rhodes University printmaking girls. So Cloud's joined and I hope she doesn't regret it. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's my everything. If, yeah. if Cloud's decided to leave TPG, I might just fall apart. <laughs> Don't. TPG's become my everything. It's yeah. really my life. So. Um, Not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So we eventually decided, what the hell, this is such a great community amongst the six of us let's extend the invitations to other printmakers so we did and then we grew from six to twelve and then we've just kept growing and now every year we have an intake we do applications which this year we're actually doing applications next month in november and then we're trying the goal miranda is to have every single female printmaker in south africa part of us <laughs> it's just such a lovely community it's so supportive and it's great to just see female artists finding their voices again and finding their confidence. And it's quite a long process, I think, for each of us individually to find that strength again. But together as a community, it's really been incredible. And we decided to call ourselves the Printing Girls as that like subvertive, you're going to call us girls and laugh at us and put us in the corner, but we'll show you what girls can do. We'll mm. print like a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because I wanted to ask too, why was it important to you to have a female-specific art collective? Was it just that kind of reaction to the experience that you'd had in school and really understanding that camaraderie? Was that really the main motivation for you? I think art history can speak for itself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just, you know, female artists not having that voice. And and I love working with women. There's so much false expectation that working with women you have bitchiness and cattiness and Mm. that is the furthest thing it's nothing like that it is supportive and loving and kind and generous I for a very short stint of my printmaking career I got to work with Claudia Chocolating Studio and I was her assistant and we got to work with many amazing artists and I was always blown away by how the female artists they just have this softness and generous heart and they're so much easier to work with and maybe that's just my personality but mm. I enjoy it I, I don't know why but men the male artists in 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 our country or probably in the whole world men men just seem to find it easier to be yeah have, a, have an ego and and to be arrogant and to push themselves um women always seem to doubt themselves for some yeah. reason not always but you know it's they they're so busy trying to please and yeah being a mom being, being a, a mom and being a being, wife and yeah it's my time for art they don't get to think oh i'm just going to be a fancy pants artist and walk into this gallery and they're going to love me whereas for some reason the male artists just have that they, yeah, just... they get taken more seriously what i found is that generally when a female makes artwork it's it gets called a housewife's hobby yeah, you know, it's art and craft room. Yeah, it's, Do you exactly. have an art and craft room? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so irritating. It's a strange, strange phenomenon, but it, it does happen. It's generally people always say, oh, you're just a rich housewife who can afford to have a press in your, uh-huh. in your room. You yeah. Mm. When so women are actually professional printmakers, they are professional mm. artists. And a lot of the male printmakers, or not all of them, but... You know, the printing, the master printmaker behind that artwork is actually a female with really big biceps. And, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, and, you know, like I think 
worldwide, we are slowly starting to see female artists rise and female printmakers take that stage. And we are getting more and more artists, female artists in gallery spaces. But I'm still tempted to, to you know, every group show we see, I count how many male artists, how many female yeah. artists. And unless it's a female-only exhibition, yeah, there's Day like, exhibition. yeah, Women's Day exhibition, or like whatever silly little exhibition they put on, we still feel like we are so outnumbered by the male artists. It's still going to be a while of an uphill battle. But, oh, my gosh, we are fighting it, and we are doing so well, and we're excited to forge that way for future females so that they can leave university and know, oh, my gosh, there's this incredible printmaking career I can have, and it's great, and it's, it's easy, and, and it's supportive. It yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry I'm... for the ramble. Oh, <laughs> gosh. You're... You have Miranda. <laughs> you're you're playing my song. Um, you know, I'm, you know, it's it's just. I think I have um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on my mind more so than yeah. usual these days, and it just reminds me of of one of her famous quotes, which is, you know, asked, you know, maybe and maybe it's apocryphal. I don't know, but what I've always heard is that she was asked, you know, how many women should be on the Supreme Court, and she said nine. Yeah. And you know they were like at the when we faced with that sort of shock, she's like, "Well, there's been nine yeah. men forever, yeah, and no I'm... one thought that was strange." You know, it's just yeah. this this idea of of the sort of default human being a man, mm-hmm. the default artist, the default justice, like the default person who's who's holding power at the center of attention. Um, it's just this assumed that it's a man, and then when people who present as women or identify as women take up that space it's it's all of a sudden there needs to be this little bit of like the the hobbyist (laughs) or the it's just like a different there's there's a different narrative because it's like you're not just a human who's an artist you're a human who's a woman and an artist and so that extra bit people bring yeah 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 it's awesome but what's i saying all this i just want to say we we love guys. <laughs> we like the boys out there. We do like the boy printing boys. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. all of us, we have really good friendships and relationships with so many of the male yeah. printmakers. Yeah. And like, we, we love you guys. Don't hate us. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, some that we're going to send you over to chat on future podcasts are just some really incredible heavyweight male Printmakers, so mm-hmm. yeah, there's some good ones out there, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I always think that it's significant to say that because I, you know, I am out in the art world as a woman, and I do get in conversations with with women just explaining the experiences that they've had working with men, and not even necessarily in the art world. And and you, it's really easy to just kind of list out all of the negative experiences because we all have plenty of man-made injuries in our psyche, yeah. in our ego, and they stay with us and it is cathartic to talk about them. But I also know that it doesn't really help anything to just be like, well, and all of this one kind of human is bad. Like whenever that's happening, that's not helping anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Miranda. <laughs> is, that, is that a dissenting uh, voice? <laughs> 
Yeah. Rufus is the studio dog, yeah. one of the many. There's okay. actually quite a few here today. All our oh dogs have come for a play. <laughs> oh, lovely. Gosh, okay, now I am sold. You're saying that there's like strong female camaraderie and printmaking and dogs. I can have all in South Africa. Always talk with my dad. <laughs> yeah, it is called chocolate ink studio so yeah. yes <laughs> let's see i'm trying to think if there was there anything else that you you all wanted to talk about that because i know it's a it's a huge question this idea of camaraderie among women in the arts and how it manifests and and that important place like to to feel safe and to share our stories and to feel validated and to work through some of the things that are specific to the way we are in the world and therefore the way the world treats us. I don't know. I think I just probably want to, to say to all the printing girls who are, so many of them are moms and have other jobs. And I mean, there's one lady in our group who's a mom. She runs a restaurant and she, she doesn't have a printing career. She still has to go and find time to visit a printing studio and make her beautiful art. And I just totally take my hat off to the women in our group who are juggling multiple lives at one time and still making a way to find time for art and make these beautiful works. Yeah. Understanding the way motherhood complicates and enrich someone's life is something that male dominated spaces just don't seem to have any patience for. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, treated almost like a, uh, like a disability or something like to be that you chose, you know, to be a mother. It's like, oh, like, why would you do that? And, and, you know, I think this idea that of, of men being able to come into art spaces and having this assumption, I think a fair amount of it comes from, you know, just never having to think about, am I going to take a few years off of my career really when it's those pivotal years for an artist, the late 20s, early 30s, when a lot of people have babies, yeah. those are the years where you move yeah. from emerging to established. And when there's a hiccup, it it's it's definitely mm -hmm. a sacrifice rather, and I guess it's seen as a sacrifice rather than an enriching part of a human's development that can then influence their art in a positive mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I want to hand over to Alison to maybe talk a little bit about that because she's a mom. But I do also want to mention that when we started the, the TPG, it's one of the things that in my heart just kept playing is that if one of us rises, we all rise. And if we all rise, it means each individual rises. So being part of this female collective means that, you know, if you are you've just had a baby and for the next two years you're not really going to be making as much art or you know you have to focus on being a mom for a while you're still part of the tpgs and you can always come back to us when you're ready and we're still going to be going ahead and we're still yeah. going to be gaining ground and making way for you and when you come back it's not like you have to start from scratch again but you're still one of us you're still going to be in our exhibitions and i think that's also a key part of our community is you know whatever comes our way that knocks us off the path we're still going to be there when you're ready to come back doesn't that make sense yeah that's so beautiful thank you yeah. for putting it so beautifully <laughs> you got me you got yeah. me with that one amy jane you got me tearing up <laughs> yeah 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 no but as she was saying thinking about people mm. who've been going through experiences just in the last month and mm. somehow so this year of 2020 has been a very interesting one because we had the largest intake of printing oh, yeah. girls ever. 
and we've only ever met them over <laughs> over a uh, screen. <laughs> so we've never met these women mm-hmm. in person, and yet we feel like we know them so well yeah. because there's a beautiful, there's a lovely woman who's dealing with um, depression and. Mm-hmm. She tells the story from a black woman's perspective because Mm -hmm. in our black communities, depression is not taken seriously. It's Mm -hmm. not thought of as a disease. Mm -hmm. It's actually just (laughs) poo-pooed. And if you're depressed, you must just get over it. Yeah. And so one of her sort of themes in her work is dealing with that. But she's also just become a mum. Mm. And, and then we were all expecting work. And, you know, and so what Amy Jane just said just brought it to mind. I thought, you know, it's so amazing that even though we've never met this woman in real life, never mm. been able to give her a hug, mm. we all felt for her and we all understood what mm. she was going we through. We all sent her messages yeah. and just let her know that we were there for her and that we were missing her and yeah. we would be thinking of her at the latest exhibition. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's. But Alison, your personal experience as being a mom and artist. Yeah. So I, I became a mom when I was very young. I was just finished studying. And so my first child kind of got stuck on my back and <laughs> would just have to come along for the ride. And so she was exposed to all kinds of interesting things from a very young age. <laughs> that must, that <laughs> being stuck on your back must sound so strange to someone who doesn't understand how people in South Africa carry their children, though. Yes, yeah, we, okay. all, we carry our children on our backs with oh. a towel wrapped around them. <laughs> <laughs> so literally stuck on your back. That's not a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was I was running a printing studio at a college and trying to be a mum. And then when my husband and I decided to have a child later in life, mm. I thought, you know, this I don't want this to be a reason why I can't make mm. art. And and it does take a lot of your, your life, but we've got so many strong women oh, around wow. us showing us that it can be done. And women in different phases of their lives that you can look forward and be like, okay, she made it through. She had two babies. She's still an artist. It's okay. I'm getting (laughs) one. It's wonderful to have each other as examples. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so warm and fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's you've you've really painted a a beautiful and inspiring picture of, of what art collectives, I think, at their best can do for anyone, you know, which is is being that that support and that camaraderie and that just ability to, to keep going when something's happening in someone else's life and they can't. And I just think, yeah, that's that's really lovely. So congratulations and congratulations on having more artists join your collective this year than any other year, because 2020 it's been a wild ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I think mostly the printing girls have been based around Johannesburg mm. or we've had one or two um, yeah. sort of outside, countryside-based artists. But this year we've got a very strong group of Cape Town um, 
female artists. They're all over Cape Town, not even just in one hub. It's yes. So there's some are in a small town yeah. sort of on the coast. And so they're actually a, a good support to one another mm. over there. And we're thinking of doing a show there. Claudia, yeah. could you talk a bit about that? I'm trying to book an exhibition space in Cape Town so that next year we can have a show of TPGs in Cape Town. And I don't know more details <laughs> than that. Amy Jane, do you <laughs> but Cape Town is very different to Johannesburg. Gosh, yeah. So um, it will be quite different for us, even from a marketing point of view, because yeah. of all the tourists that come there. Um, so, yeah, we're quite excited oh, about that. Oh, and tourists will be back in the country next year. How we hope. Exciting. We hope. Yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah, speaking of, of, of 2020 and what it's been, um, you all have an exhibition up currently, and part of that exhibition yeah. is your members who've made work responding to what was going on for them during the national lockdown. Can you sort of speak to that yeah. and, and what some of those responses were like? Yeah, cool. I actually just want to check what day of the lockdown we are up now. We are day 197 today oh of being in national lockdown. Kat, do you want to talk a bit about that, about positive effects? Because it was your... Yeah. Okay, so um, we gave the, the members a theme called positive escape. So my positive escape during lockdown. Um, and we very quickly realized that most of the printmakers did not have access to a printing mm. press during lockdown, which was very difficult for them because obviously we had to prepare for our up-and-coming show, which opened on Sunday last week. So apart from giving them the subject of my positive escape, we said to them, it doesn't have to be printmaking. It could be any other art medium. It could even go as far as some of our printmakers love baking and creating <laughs> works in the kitchen. So a positive escape was just baking for the family. Um, that mm. could be one thing. But so to expand on the positive escape, what we said was, what was your positive escape to just get away from the stress of lockdown? Mm. And what we saw was most people's positive escape was nature mm. and their gardens or their family members. So each artist was allowed to create an unlimited amount of work responding to that positive escape piece. Um, and the size limit they were given was 20 by 20 centimeters. I'm not too sure what that is in inches. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's, it's small artwork. Yeah. Um, and we got the most beautiful works and, and the write-ups or the artist statements that came along with it. Very emotional, but very beautiful. And what I realized, I don't know about Alison and Amy Jane, but I realized that everyone had a very positive experience during lockdown. So before lockdown, so when um, our president had announced that we were going into lockdown, I think a lot of us were very, very nervous, mm. very stressed out, you know, buying baked beans and <laughs> yeah. toilet paper and whatnot, um, you know, thinking that this was going to be an apocalypse mm. of sorts. And instead, it turned out to be a moment of rest, yeah. a moment of rediscovering yourself, a moment of connecting with your family and mm. getting to know your family, sure. who you live with on a Amazing. daily basis, yeah. but you don't actually know these people. Yeah. Um, so I think everyone just grew and, mm. and became better people during lockdown. And mm. 
when you see our positive escape wall in the exhibition, it just it glows, it shines, yeah. the colors are beautiful. Um, the messages mm. are, they're just incredible. And, and they're selling like hotcakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our best sell at the exhibition at the moment, because yeah. people are just snapping up these Positive Escape works. Yeah. I think one of my favorite conversations around Positive Escape, when we were, at some point we realized we were getting these frantic messages, I don't have a printing press, what am I to do? I don't know how to print, I don't think I can do this exhibition. And then a lot of us got together and we were like, let's think, what are non-printing press printing methods? And we had this whole list, and it was so inspiring. I mean, dance to collage. What did we do yesterday? Uh, um, jelly plate printing. Jelly, that is so much fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and, like, obviously hand printing with your release. Stenciling. Stenciling. I mean, we had this long list of stuff. Cyanotype. Yeah, it was so inspiring. And then, you know, still at the end when the artist submitted, I was – amazed at how many of the artworks were still on printing presses, how the ladies just made a way to to print. But there was also a huge amount this year of lino cuts, which we we think that's got to do with how therapeutic a lino cut is. (laughs) You know, you just get all of your frustrations away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) And and discover pine copper lime while you're Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I listened back-to-back podcasts while carving. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. We got to know your your voice very well during lockdown. I'm so flattered to hear that. I got so many incredible messages from teachers who have had to try and teach during lockdown and can use the podcast. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, when I started it two years ago, no no idea like no no sense that it would it would end up being a tool for our poor university teachers who are being asked to teach you know some studio-based work over zoom you know I want to actually highlight one of our TPGs maybe you can say a bit more but she works for um a art studio called artist press studio and they have obviously had to try and teach throughout this extremely difficult time. And most schools in South Africa, I think, are teaching over Zoom or like they have, you know, good internet access and they're they're managing. But Artist Proof Studio, the students that they work with come from, as far as I understand, quite impoverished in background. So they don't have access to internet and stuff. And so one of our TPGs is a lecturer there and she has single-handedly had to drive to each of her students' houses, drop off a tub of um, ferrochloride, their copper plates, their tools, their hard ground, ground, whatever. And then they have done their lessons over WhatsApp. So over just text or WhatsApp videos or WhatsApp, yeah, like images. And Mm -hmm. she blew my mind. I phoned her couple weeks ago to just find out how she is and check how her art making is going and when she told me she was doing this I was like oh my gosh and <laughs> hold on you still art <laughs> it's absolutely incredible so the the way that people have just learned to get around lockdown um mm. that's blown my mind that's yeah. incredible yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were gonna say she was dropping off lino cuts and tools, but no, she was dropping off copper plates, <laughs> and then doing it over over WhatsApp. That's amazing. 
crazy. I had a similar experience because um, I lecture at the University of Johannesburg and I had to attempt to teach my second year screen printing um, <laughs> via WhatsApp oh as well. Oh my gosh. Because my students don't have Zoom. So it was me holding my phone with one hand, taking a video <laughs> of my other hand, trying to screen print, hold the squeegee in one hand. And it became a very funny thing to do. <laughs> and all my videos are incredibly wobbly. Yeah. You know, I dropped the phone and whatnot. But somehow we managed to just pull through and, and mm. teach students without actually having access to a studio. Mm. And I think that's what's so fascinating about printmaking. It's just, I don't know, everyone's so passionate and ready to learn that, yeah. you know, all the students did their work. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. I can't imagine trying to squeegee you with one hand. Like, that's just... <laughs> Very interesting. I haven't seen her biceps, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I quite have the strength for that. But yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like that you've been able to adapt and even thrive during the lockdown. So again, congratulations. That's incredible, and I think that sure that speaks to the drive that people have to still find community and for women to want to work together and support each other so I just think that's a, a really amazing story uh, that I'm really excited for people to hear because we need plenty of positive stories right now especially like about about the COVID and lockdown and everything were there any um, I'm really curious about this you said this idea of the, the the positive escape and you mentioned sort of gardens and or baking were there any other particular ones that stand out to you that were maybe things that people hadn't thought of that they might be even to take as, as tips and tricks as a lot of people are still moving forward in lockdown and listening to this in lockdown? So from a content point of view, I remember quite a lot of people sort of coming up with these concepts. Yeah. So she, uh, you, I'm sorry, Claudia's asking me about a specific artist. Um, so a lot of people, it made us think. So I think 2019 was such a rush and yeah. the world had come to such a crescendo of madness and normalizing this crazy pace that we all seem to oh, live yeah. by. Yeah. So the philosophies and the thoughts that came out of suddenly being Just slowing down, slowed down yeah. yeah, and having that retrospective ability to look back and say, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Um, brought yeah. a lot of uh, images about. So um, wow. whatever mean, it was, it could be someone escaping in a story, which was kind mm, of my, my, mine was a, mine was a kind of a fantasy that mm. I came up with based on that idea of just suddenly realizing that the human race is the virus <laughs> that the planet is incredibly re resilient <laughs> and will still be here when we're all gone. Yes. <laughs> no, we're so self-important yeah. and the world has become so individualistic. Mm. Everything we do is about the individual and the promotion of self. Yeah. So a lot of the ideas for me spoke about that. So maybe I was reading into mm. what the statements said, but, but that I, was the other sort of way people... I think uh, worldwide it was such an introspective time. So 
think a lot of the images are also people finding their voice about things that they didn't know was important to them before. Um, so just, yeah. Well, we might not be answering your question very eloquently, Miranda, yeah. but we have a online catalog where we've actually put all the images and then we've also put each artist's little write-up about it. One of the artists that actually comes to mind, she not only had to go through lockdown, but she also lost her sister to cancer. Mm. And she couldn't be sister because yeah. we couldn't travel. So mm. in different situations, circumstances, she would have flown over because her sister is pretty much her best friend and she would have sat with her sister in the she last few weeks day. and spent those last moments with her and she was stuck in South Africa. And so her art was a way of processing that and getting through that. And it was quite emotional for all of us to to speak to her on Zoom about, to see the art, to read the bios. Um, and then actually another one of our artists who she's been with us for a very long time and she she's always you know very positive and chatty and laughy. She was blatantly honest about how depressed she had become during lockdown and sure. she, she was not coping and mm. she was very vocal about it. And I'm so grateful that we were a safe space that she could feel she could be honest and open about it. So, yeah, I think it was just a really good time for people to be themselves, to have no expectation. Um, and in the arts, you can see their true delights or their true essence coming through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that you were able mm-hmm. to give them an opportunity to reflect on it, which I think is so important because... I think a lot of us just kind of tried to get through the various lockdowns that we've had just almost sort of by disassociating and just being yeah. like, I'm not present for this. I'm not present for this. It's just going to be yeah. over. And I think it's beautiful that you offered them a chance to actually think, well, what can I do to make this easier? What yeah. am I doing? That's a positive escape. You know, that's not just, you know, watching trash TV and drinking and eating junk food and avoiding what I'm feeling. And I really, yeah, that's a a lovely invitation. And it sounds like people took it up in stride. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I've noticed speaking to artists and listening to artists um, within our community and on other art platforms um, during lockdown was that people had one of two responses to the lockdown and artists in particular, they either became very prolific Mm -hmm. and took this as a wonderful opportunity to put their noses to the grindstone and just make because they didn't have other, yeah, other Mm -hmm. commitments that they had to be involved with. Mm -hmm. And the other opposite, polar opposite of that was a lot of artists and friends Mm -hmm not being able to make a thing and that's blocked and what what people are saying now is that psychologists are actually understanding a little bit more about what we've been through and that um we actually we we usually have a fight or flight response Mm. to something that's extreme and because you couldn't flight you kind of went into this deep space and just couldn't move it was almost like being paralyzed with fear but over a long slow period (laughs) so and i think what people outside of south africa also don't realize is that we had one of the most hectic lockdowns we locked down 
way earlier than most countries would have. If you look at our statistics and our numbers, our presidents took drastic measures very early on. And we only expected to be locked down, as most of the world, for a couple of weeks. And he government has been really firm in keeping that lockdown as long and as as strict as possible to the point where we had no smoking and drinking and we had a lot more restrictions in our country that other countries had but yeah. we've had the most successful um recovery recovery rate and yeah. our numbers are surprisingly compared to the rest of the world and we are coming out of lockdown but it's when a South African has gone through 197 days of lockdown versus someone in a different part of the country, I think our lockdown, to a large extent, was a lot more intense. Yeah, and, and the problem also is that you can't implement European techniques in a country that has the number of uh, the amount of po- poverty and, yeah. and number of unemployed people. Yeah. So the result of lockdown has also been very negative in the fact that we're now sitting with a national disaster of unemployment Mm. where people are losing their jobs Mm. by the thousands per day because our economy has slumped into a position that basically can't support people anymore. We physically survived, but financially it's going to be another huge struggle ahead of us. Yeah, that seems to be like the big trade-off decision that countries have mm. been having to make is is economy yeah. versus health and you know here in here in Thailand we're over a hundred days without community transmission and Thailand oh, shut good. shut its borders very hard very fast mm-hmm. and now it lets in people for work like myself mm-hmm. but you you know you have to pay for a two-week quarantine you have to have a, a COVID-free test within 72 hours of your flight. You get tested throughout your quarantine. You get your fever taken or your, your temperature taken twice a day while you're in quarantine. And you just stay in a hotel room. And and wow. Thailand is a place that 20% of their economy is tourism. And so for, for the government to make that decision, that's just saying like, no, like the lives of the citizens are more important yeah. than the tourists coming in. I mean, it's inc- it's an incredible move, but it's still, you know, we're we're pretty much living life like normal. You know, people are are going to work and and going to parties, and you know, you get your you you still wear a mask everywhere in public, and you get your temperature taken before you go into a grocery store, or a hospital, or a mall, and you check in everywhere you go on your phone. So it's not normal, normal, but compared to a lot of places, we have extreme freedom of movement right now. So. It's it's really, I just do not envy having to make that decision, like lives versus lives, you know? It's just, it's not good no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, was like, I feel like I'm like, I'm like, oh, shoot, Miranda, you really brought that down right at the end. Uh, shoot, I should have... <laughs> Should have ended it when you were talking about the beautiful works that that all your members are making. <laughs> but yeah, it just is. It's something that I think is weighing weighing heavy on all of us. And yeah, we we don't know what the quote unquote right decision was or will be, or even if there ever was one. So um, I'm just I am really grateful for like the camaraderie that we can have, and especially over Zoom and over Skype and. I have to say, I truly don't know 
where the hour went chatting to you all. Like it (laughs) just flew by. (laughs) So um, I just, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and offering your insights into printmaking in South Africa. And hopefully we can get people listening really excited about it and for your efforts to build community, even in 2020 and particularly in 2020. And it's just been absolutely a delight to chat with with you three thanks miranda thank you very much that was huge fun yeah (laughs) please tell people where they can find you where they can see your show i know you did a great little kind of like walkthrough video for it opening video um beautiful resources there where can they find that cool so um you can find us we're on facebook and instagram What's our, we're just the yeah. printing girls. Pretty easy. The printing girls. Um, we have our exhibition at the moment. It's until the end of October, and that's at the Art Room in Parkhurst, Johannesburg. We also have all the works available online in our catalogs, which is on our website, which is www.theprintinggirls.co.za. And for any female printmakers listening to you, because I know we have so many fangirls in South Africa for Pine Copper Lime. <laughs> We have our applications opening in November next month, so please apply to us. And I think people can also search hashtag print like a girl on Instagram and they can or, get a lot of our stuff. Yeah, or hashtag TPG2020, which is our current show. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, in case anyone is listening to this, you know, in the in the archive of Fine Copper Lime a year from now or a few months from now. Will the works um, that are in the exhibition be continued to be available after October? Can they go to the website and, and maybe see anything that's left, or will it close with the exhibition? We've got all, every exhibition we do, we put a catalog together, and all of those stay live forever and ever and ever on our website. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, if, you pop, if, you, if you click on the um, pop-ups as well, um, there's some lovely uh, catalogs in there, um, yeah. and then each artist has. It's a very beautiful website that's been built by um, one of our other admin yeah. members, Mandy Kanajaris, and she's done a page for each artist with mm. um, work that's for sale, and it's super cheap for people from overseas. Cause yeah, <laughs> everybody. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Well. <laughs> I will put links to all of that in the show notes as usual. And yeah, thank you very much again. And I hope we can stay in touch. And I hope that our bodies get vaccinated soon and our borders open up and you all can come to Thailand and I can show you the incredible printmaking there. And then I can uh, force myself on you to be hosted in, in South Africa at some point. <laughs> Would be a pleasure. And- Thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah, it's been really great. I'm really excited to to share our chat. So thank you all very much again. (laughs) Thanks, Miranda. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh, perfect timing. Goodbye to you too, dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Camilla Taylor. Camilla is a printmaker who comes from a little town in Utah and is now an instructor and practicing artist in Los Angeles. We'll talk about her initial love for entomology and how she ended up as a printmaker, as well as her fascinating new exhibition, All About Self-Deceit. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf 
with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week. Thank you.